Well, all right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this session of Midland Pulse. I am your host, Teresa Noer. Um, I am a senior vice president here with Midland Trust Company, and I manage our 1031 exchange division. Today, we're going to be discussing a topic that anyone who is involved in real estate transactions should be aware of whether you are a seller, a buyer, a real estate professional, and that is FERPTA. So our guest today is Julie Lafori, Director of FERPTA Solutions. For the last seven years, she has focused on nothing except for helping people with the FERPTA process. Um, over the last several years, she has dedicated her professional career to creating awareness on this matter. To date, she has taught over 200 training seminars, providing continuing education courses to real estate agents, attorneys, and title professionals. She has helped more than 5,000 foreign sellers, and she's helped countless numbers of buyers with penalty issues, which do sometimes come up if FERPTA is not handled properly. <laughs> and she's here today to shed some light on an area that not many people know much about. Um, I've known Julie for several years now, and I've had the privilege of sitting in on some of her classes. And I have to say that if anyone can help people wrap their brains around this subject, it's Julie. So Julie, thank you so much for oh, being here today. Um, selfishly, I'm happy we're doing this because I know that I need as much education as I can possibly get on this subject. And um, I do feel like there are probably a lot of misconceptions out there about this and how it works and who's ultimately responsible. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start off easy with an easy question. And why don't you tell us what is FERPTA? Um, so I I joke around and I say that uh, that FERPTA is the dreaded F word of real estate. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. but, but really, it, it's uh, FERPTA stands for the Foreign Investment and Real Property Tax Act. So it was a, a, a an action that our government took back in the eighties to level the playing field for foreigners that were making investments in the U.S. so that when they sold property, that there would be a mechanism in place to um, make sure that they filed a tax return and settled up with their with their capital gains tax. So, you know, it, it, if you think of it, um, you know, Teresa, you work for Midland, you get a paycheck, right? Right. And so biweekly or whenever you get paid, you are paid a salary and then you have a net payment because your employer had the responsibility of holding back taxes in order to get you ready for the end of the year when you file your tax return. And if, if, if all the money that your employers collected throughout the year was more than enough to cover the tax that you owe the government, then you end up getting a refund. And, and FERP does that same concept of withholding. It's a withholding um, it's just that foreign sellers don't get paid every Friday like you and I, they get paid when they sell a property. And since our tax system is a pay-as-you-go tax system, the estimated tax that we think that they're going to owe has to be collected right then and there. And so FERPTA was enacted to make sure that a withholding took place at the time of sale in order um, kind of to force that that seller's hand to file a tax return, settle up with the government, and uh, otherwise, you know, there was really nothing in place to make that foreign seller 
comply with their requirements to file a tax return. There was no no uh, motivation, if you will. You mean not everyone pays their taxes? Um, I know it's a surprise. Um, probably, uh, I, I, it's uncommon, but uh, it does happen on occasion. And so apparently it was happening too much. And the government stepped in and said, hey, we got to change this. And so FERPTA was born. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. So what does the average person um, need to know about FERPTA? Because I, I think at, at any point in time, if, if you're buying or selling real estate, FERPTA is going to potentially affect you, whether directly or indirectly. So what should everyone know as, as the bare basics about FERPTA? So I, I personally feel like everyone just needs to know that it is a thing. <laughs> FERPTA is a thing that everybody needs to know about. And, and to be honest with you, uh, I mean, uh, there's many facets of the FERPTA uh, tax code that a lot of us don't really see on a regular basis. We're, we're never going to encounter it in our life. So, uh, you know, what we talk about today is not this all-inclusive, you know, overall thing of, of FERPTA and the tax code. We're, we're going to focus just on the parts that, um, that we're really dealing with on a daily basis. And that's with the sale of real estate. So what happens is you have a lot of foreign sellers that have thankfully, um, found value in our country. They, they've made really great investments. They've, they've bought property. Um, they are providing homeowners, you know, like um, homes for people. So uh, you've got foreigners that have bought property. They are at a point in their lives where they're ready to sell it for whatever reason. And now they're selling. And because they are foreign, because that seller is foreign, now we have to talk about FERPTA. The problem is, is how can you possibly know, you know, who a seller is? You know, think of the last time you purchased a home. Were you thinking, hmm, I wonder if my seller is foreign? No, it's it's not a cognitive, uh, a cognitive thought that we are having when we're buying real estate. But um, because buyers are usually the ones that are impacted by not um, fulfilling their duties, uh, they're, they need to know more. And so when you're talking about real estate, you've got a buyer, you've got a seller. And I personally feel like FERPTA should be one of the very first questions, one of the very first things that we talk about when we're talking about buying and selling real estate. But we have to be really careful because not everyone is is qualified to discuss tax matters with buyers and sellers. And, and, and so I get that. I don't want everyone to be a professional, but I, I almost wish in some way that um, our government would have some sort of a PSA, like a public service announcement commercials that we could see on the, on the TV or hear on the radios where they are letting buyers know that, hey, when you buy a property, you have you have a job to do. You, you don't just get to buy the property and live in it scot-free and, and be done for the rest of life. You have, you have other jobs, other duties that you have to do when you make a purchase. And your first job is to determine if your seller is foreign or not. And buyers aren't really understanding that they have that responsibility, that they have any skin in the game at all. Um, I, my favorite thing is, is in a room of people, especially real estate agents, I'll say, okay, you know, who helped, you know, who helped a buyer recently purchase a home and they all raised their hands. And so I pick on a couple of them. I say, okay, was your seller foreign? And they're like, no. And I say, well, how do you know? And they're like, oh, 
well, I guess I, I guess I don't know. You know, I just kind of thought the title company would ask, or I thought this, or, you know, I, I, I saw his, his, his driver's license or whatever the situation is. And the truth is, is that we really don't know who our sellers are and we're not even knowing that we need to ask that question. So my little soapbox, if you will, my, my little personal uh, passion project is I, I want to start this movement. This, this, my kids are going to kill me, but this hashtag moment <laughs> where, uh, it, where we're, we think of FERPTA first. I, I feel like every real estate transaction is subject to FERPTA first until we are certain that it's not. And usually what we do in our industry is, is we aren't thinking about FERPTA first. We're thinking about let's get this sale closed and then somewhere along the way, it's it's found out or it's determined that that seller is foreign. And at that time, everyone's so invested in that deal that um, you know you're having to make um, uh, what's the word? You're having to make choices that maybe you wouldn't have made had you been fully informed from the beginning. And that goes for buyers and it goes for sellers. Uh, so it's across the board. So what do I think that people need to know is is they need to understand that FERPTA is um, a part of every transaction first until it's not. I think that's a I, I think that little nugget right there is is so incredibly important because I think that right now it's almost an afterthought. It is, and, absolutely. I, and I think that what's really jarring when I first started learning more about it is the fact that there is responsibility on the buyer's part and they don't realize that. And it mm -hmm. could have catastrophic consequences if people are not informed. But I also think you touched on something earlier that, that also is something we all need to get over is, is that people are afraid to bring it up because then they feel like if I mention that word, I own it. And now I have to walk my client through this and I'm not equipped to do that. So we'll let somebody else do it. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, or we're going to assume someone else is, which, which leads me to my next question. And that is, um, I think you touched on some of it, but what are, what are some of the common misconceptions that people have around FERPTA? Like, what are some things that you hear all the time? You're like, oh my gosh, that is so not true. So there's, there's so much about FERPTA and there's so many misconceptions, but um, a lot of it has to do with, you know, who's actually responsible. So um, you know, the, the real estate agents think that somehow, you know, they're responsible. The title companies think that somehow they're responsible. And I guess from a, from a practical point of view, uh, from a, a professional um, point of view, if we're involved in a real estate transaction, we all have a, a small role that we play in that. Uh, but ultimately, the IRS is going to hold that buyer responsible um, for complying or not complying, which is really scary because a lot of times, you know, buyers are relying on the professionals that they're working with. And, and while I hum, I honestly believe in my heart that everyone is really trying to do the best that they can, yeah. not everyone's really good at understanding their limits. And so they kind of, you know, muddle through this process, trying to fill out these forms that they're not really sure about filling out. And, and these forms that I'm talking about are, are these, uh, 
they're, they're designated IRS tax forms that get filled out. And, and, and when money gets sent to the IRS, these forms go with the money. And so if the forms aren't prepared correctly, that the buyer is signing, and then they go to the IRS and the IRS is looking at these forms like, what the, what the heck am I supposed to do with these? They're doing the best that they can to sort things out. But at the end of the day, they have to do what they're going to do. And, and what happens is the money that goes in, it gets lost. Lost in the shuffle, right. Yeah. And, and I don't even want to say lost. I mean, it's there, but um, it just gets deposited into the general account you know that the irs has and and if they don't know where to uh to put this withholding so that someone can come in later and file a tax return and, and claim a, a refund um they just deposit it into their main checking account and so it just gets kind of lost in the shuffle like you said and somebody has to go in and try to find it and and it can't they sometimes i mean we're, i've got a couple cases where i've got proof it was mailed on time. It was received. Mm -hmm. We've got copies of the canceled check. And for whatever reason, the IRS still can't find this money. We've had to use their, their, their payment tracing department and still can't find it. And so what happens is the IRS is thinking, we just don't have this money. And so right. this money was supposed to be received and it was supposed to be received by a certain time. And the one holding the bag is the buyer. Um, and, and so what happens is, virus is now thinking that the buyer owes this money because they were the responsible party. They're the withholding agent and they're getting penalized. They've got late fees. They've got interest that's adding up. And eventually it goes from, you know, friendly little reminder notices to make the payment to now we're going to garnish your wages. Now we're going to seize your property. Now we're going to file a, a tax lien, you know, whatever the case may be. And so it's so critical that those forms be prepared correctly checking the wrong box or not checking the wrong the the right box can have a huge impact on what happens next for this transaction so um working with a tax professional to um prepare those forms i think is critical trying to do it on your own when you don't have the knowledge or expertise i i think can cause a lot of problems uh, the other thing is people are like, well, what, what the heck does the buyer have to do with, you know, the seller's taxes? I mean, that's, right. that's a question we get all the time. But if you, if you think about it in a real estate, in a real estate transaction, you have a buyer and you have a seller and, and who's making the payment. The buyer is making a payment. And if you look at the definition of a withholding agent, the withholding agent is is always going to be the payer of the income because they're the, they're the ones that are always going to be responsible to withhold a little bit when they're making that payment to, in this case, a foreign seller. Um, and, and so just, I mean, just by sheer definition alone, you've got a buyer making a payment. They, they just are naturally the responsible person to make sure that that money gets held back to, to pay the seller's taxes if it's required. Um, so there's always a lot of misconceptions um, surrounding that issue. A lot of people like to say, oh, well, you know, so-and-so is helping me or so-and-so is helping me. But at the end of the day, the IRS is only going to penalize them. They only send out one, one, one derogatory notice and it's going to go to the, to the buyer, whoever was listed as the withholding agent. So I think it's really important to, to, to pay attention to that. And if you're a buyer and you are sitting at a closing table 
and all of a sudden someone's talking about FERPTA, I mean, it's okay to pump the brakes for a second and say, hey, wait a second, what's what's going on here? I'm just now learning about this. I want an opportunity to look at what I'm signing before I sign it. And um, that would be my advice there. Okay, thank you. Thank Welcome. you. Um, I still can't, I, I, I still to this day struggle wrapping my brain around the fact that it makes perfect sense with that explanation that, okay, the one bringing the money to the transaction should be the one that's responsible for the withholding. Right. But it's, it's just amazing that how many people are unaware of that, that one very important detail that you are responsible in this. <laughs> yes. It's not your tax liability necessarily, but you, at right. the end of the day, you're going to be responsible for it. Exactly. So exactly. What does FERPTA Solutions do? How do they come into the mix? So we, I, at the end of the day, we're an accounting firm, uh, but we don't do generalized accounting here. So we're not going to do, you know, I couldn't do your tax return. I'm not going to do payroll taxes here. We're not going to do, uh, you know, estate returns. You know, we're, we're, we're not a generalized accounting firm. We literally only focus on FERPTA related services. So um, it's a requirement in a FERPTA transaction that buyers and sellers have tax ID numbers. Now, you and I, we have socials because you know we're citizens, we're living here, we're working here, we have to have a social. But a lot of our foreign friends, um, they, they're not eligible for a social security number, but they have to have a tax ID number because that's how our government knows them. I mean, think of how many John Smiths they are or you know, even how many Julie Lepore's there are. So yeah. they, they can't go by name. They have to go by a tax ID number. So we help sellers, foreign sellers, and sometimes foreign buyers um, apply for these uh, tax numbers are called ITIN, individual tax ID number. So that's one of the services that we do. We also prepare the forms that I was talking about that accompany the payment when, when a withholding is collected and sent to the IRS. We make those forms. Um, there's another form that we do um, that we work on, and it's a withholding certificate. So, so far in our conversation this morning, we've been talking about how this money gets collected and I'm kind of putting the cart before the horse, but just so you know, it's a 15% withholding. So if a seller is deemed to be foreign, a buyer is required to withhold up to 15% of the selling price and remit it to the IRS within 20 days of the closing. The alternative to that is that the seller or sometimes a buyer, but usually the seller can apply for a withholding certificate. And a withholding certificate is when um, the seller knows that they're not going to owe 15% of the selling price in taxes and capital gains tax. So they can make this application prior to the closing where we are asking the IRS to reduce the withholding amount down. Uh, so instead of a percentage of the selling price, we ask them to reduce it down to a percentage of the profit on the sale or gain. Um, and that's a withholding certificate. So we help sellers through that process. Um, and then we will do tax returns for those sellers to help them, uh, you know, claim back their eligible portion of that money as a refund. Um, and then we work on, you know, uh, a lot of cases go bad. <laughs> so there's a lot of times where, um, you know, someone tried to do it on their own or they were working with somebody and it just didn't go well. And so we can get involved in some of those cases I and mean, we're a little bit picky. There's sometimes we can help and sometimes we can't, but we'll get involved. We'll figure out what went wrong. We'll come up with a solution. And then we kind of backtrack through that file to get all that groundwork laid properly so that we can come to a place where we can either, um, you know, 
prove that that the buyer doesn't owe a penalty if they were owed a penalty or get that seller into a, a position where they can actually file a tax return and actually claim a refund of that withholding money that they don't owe. Um, so there's just there's so many things that 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 we can do um, when it when we know that there's you know a, a foreign seller that FERPTA is involved in a transaction. So um, and we're also not a greedy a greedy company. So you know we're not an all or nothing. We work with other tax professionals. We work with CPAs. We work with tax attorneys. Um, a lot of people just don't like doing FERPTA paperwork. They just don't like it. So even though they know how to do it, or maybe, you know, they're a little rusty, um, they want to maintain the client. They want to work with that client. That's going to be their client for life, but they just need a little bit of help with the FERPTA portion um, of the transaction. So sometimes we'll step in and just do very minor things just to make sure that things are moving along well. Well, and I think you mentioned it earlier too. This is not something that you want to try to wing it or, or say, I know enough to be dangerous. And so we'll figure this out as we go. Uh, you only have one shot to get it right. And so you definitely need to have people with that expertise to help them through the process. Absolutely. So when, when is the ideal time for someone to reach out to your company for assistance? Because often clients will reach out to us to set up a 1031 exchange because mm -hmm. FERPTA will apply and they're planning on doing an exchange to mm -hmm. and hoping to get exemption from that FERPTA. Right. But the issue is often that they don't, it's an afterthought and they don't think about this until literally right before the closing. And so in a perfect world, what would be the ideal time for someone to, to get the process started or at least file whatever paperwork needs to be filed? Um, so I'm going to be cliche and say as soon as humanly possible. Okay. So, um, you know, when I'm, when I'm training real estate agents and trying to get them to, um, spot a FERPTA transaction much, much sooner, I always tell them to talk to, um, talk to their sellers, uh, when they go on their listing appointments, you know, have a page in their listing presentation that just mentions the word FERPTA. They don't have to be experts on it but they can use that opportunity to open up the communication about it. Um, and then uh, at that point, as soon as they find out that maybe there's a chance that they would not be considered a U.S. person for tax purposes, you know, have them call our office right away. Have them, have them talk to a tax professional right away just to, to understand right then and there, like, what are my what are my options? What am I getting into? What is this really about? I, I always, I always say that um, that foreign sellers always ask the same three questions when they call. <laughs> they always want to know: Do I really have to do this? <laughs> How much is it going to cost me? And when do I get my money back? And um, you know, I, I I like to think that if I was a real estate professional and and I was working with with this listing, and I find out that my seller might be foreign. Like what a tool to have, what an advantage for me to have as this real estate agent to say, oh, maybe this might be a FERPTA case. Let me have you call this person. You know, even if it's not, let's just be sure. Um, I feel like I feel like that seller is going to really respect that real estate agent for, you know, having that 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 uh, forethought to think, hey, something's a little bit different here. Let's get a professional involved. Let's look at this. Let's check this out. And, and hopefully um, that, that seller is going to see that real estate agent as uh, a trusted professional and, you know, maybe even 
be the reason that they get the deal out of that. But we always recommend to, you know, find out as soon as possible, have the seller call us as soon as possible, even if you're not under contract, even if you don't know who your buyer is, even if you don't know what the selling price is, because we can we can manage that. We can talk about different scenarios. We can say, okay, well, you know, you're you're selling it for you know under three hundred thousand. Maybe there's this exception that might apply. Maybe not. You know, this is what you'll be looking for. This is how it works. These are your options. These are your fees. Um, and just educating that that client as soon as possible. But you know, the other thing that we're getting a lot of lately is we're getting a lot of calls from buyers. So um, I would say back in the day when when we first you know started taking this as a serious business, um, just the FERP to piece of it, uh, we were ninety nine point nine 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 percent working strictly with sellers. As FERPTA has, well, FERPTA stayed the same as the awareness has evolved and and as the transactions have become more prominent over the years. I'm I'm so thankful that that somewhere along the line, buyers are maybe starting to get wind that they have a little more skin in the game. And so lately we've been getting a ton of call from calls from buyers that they're saying, Hey, listen, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm buying this property. I just found out my, the seller is foreign. I had no idea. Nobody told me, you know, and, and now I have to do stuff. You know, the title right. company is telling me that I have to you know, make these forms or talk to a tax professional or learn what my options are. And, um, you know, I, I called my accountant. They don't do FERPTA. They don't know. Um, you know, I talked to my attorney. They're not really, you know, they don't really know this piece of it. Um, can you guys help? And so we have been finding ourselves helping these buyers manage the timelines and the due dates and um, sometimes preparing the forms for them. Um, if it, if it calls for that. So I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that, um, that our, our wheels are starting to move in the right direction. So, um, you know, I think it's the same for, I almost wish that I almost wish that in, in real estate, like there was this federal acknowledgement form that had to be included with every real estate contract. You know, I'm in Florida, you're in Chicago, um, but in Florida, our real estate contract has about, you know, five or six paragraphs devoted to FERPTA. And it's, it's, it, I think, I think it's, it's pretty good. It's in line with the code and, you know, it, it, it creates some uh, awareness, but in some states, I mean, they don't even mention FERPTA at all, which is, is fine in some degree. Cause I understand that FERPTA is a tax issue. A lot of, a lot of states don't like to mingle the tax with the real estate, but if, if it's not part of the contract, how is a buyer supposed to even remotely know that this thing exists? How are they mm -hmm. even supposed to know? So I, I do wish that there was like some, some sort of federal uh, disclosure form on every transactions that said, Hey, there's this thing called FERPTA. You know, we told you about it. It's on you to learn more. And, you know, you have to tell us how you want to handle it. Um, but Unfortunately, we're not quite we're not quite there yet. Well, if we keep the conversation going, then maybe we'll get there, right? I maybe we'll get to a point where it's FERPTA first. Yes. Uh, <laughs> you're going to think of that. You're going to be like, man, FERPTA, FERPTA first. first. Hashtag, hashtag FERPTA first, Teresa. I'm all for it. I'm all for it. I have some t-shirts made. I, I'll, I'll be the first one to wear one, too. Um, 
So, okay, here, here's something, you know, I think often we learn the most valuable lessons when things don't go according to plan or when things go wrong, like we can all know the rules and the process and when it goes perfectly, those aren't really the memorable situations. It's usually when things kind of go off track or go awry that we really learn some valuable lessons. Yeah, absolutely. It, it takes, it takes a lot of pain to uh, <laughs> learn those, those life lessons. Um, there was a couple years ago. Um, so, I mean, I'm, my personality is I'm, I'm always going to be education minded. And I, I, I knew that, that our industry was, um, you know, not getting the education that they needed in regards to FERPTA, um, at least on a, on a nationwide level. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but I didn't know how bad it really was. And so a couple of years ago, I got a phone call from um, a gentleman. He had bought a property from a foreign seller um, the seller was being represented by a, a CPA and I'm sure that they were really great CPA. Um, but a couple days after the closing, um, they reached out to the buyer or their representatives and said, Hey, you know, we're really wanting to make this application for a reduced withholding. They wanted to apply for a withholding certificate. They said, is it okay if we, you know, just take a couple days to put it together and we'll get it in the mail as soon as possible. And the, the buyer and or his representative said, okay, that, that seems reasonable. Like they didn't know what that right. meant. And uh, the thing about a withholding certificate is that in order to, to hold those funds in escrow beyond the traditional 20 days, a withholding certificate has to be mailed on or before the date of transfer. So here we are on the date of transfer, they don't have their, their, their stuff together. And so uh, they politely asked for more time from the buyer who really wasn't authorized to provide it. And uh, long story short, they ended up um, not sending the money in right away. I don't know what happened with the withholding certificate, but the reason I know about the story is because the buyer, um, a, a few months later, a year later, uh, ended up getting a notice from the IRS that he owed $60,000 in penalties and late fees and interest. Uh, not $60,000 in missing withholding, but but $60,000 in actual hardcore fees and penalties um, wow. from the money being late. And um, the gentleman on the phone um, got to a point in his conversation with me where he was actually sobbing. Because from the time that he had bought the property until the time that he had received his notice, his financial situation had completely changed. I, I, I mean, it's been a couple of years. I, I think he had lost his job or whatever. Whatever the situation was, he did not have the money to pay this $60,000. And he had been trying to get help and had talked to other people and time had gone by. And so now the, the notices, they were threatening to, you know, seize his assets and garnish his wages and whatnot. And um, I just remember listening to him cry on the phone. And when I hung up the phone, I was a completely different person than I was before I picked up. And I just remember sitting there like, wow, what happened here? Like, right. how, how is this happening? You know, and I'm not really sure. I can't speak to how he got that resolved. I, I just let him know that I wasn't 
really able to help him in those circumstances. Um, and I don't really know how that, how that transpired or how it got fixed, but my mind was changed forever. And I said, okay, <laughs> all right, this is what we're going to do. We're going to, we're going to start making a difference. We're going to get approved to do CE credit. We're going to take this show on the road. We're going to do seminars and trainings. And between 2000, the end of like 2018 and 2019, um, I'd given personally, I had presented over 200 training seminars nationwide, like across different States, not just in Florida. And, um, and it was just my own personal mission because you know, I'm not perfect. I mean, there's still a lot about FERPTA that, you know, I don't know. I mean, there's, I don't think that there's any one person in this entire universe that knows mm -hmm. every little single detail about FERPTA, you know, from heart. And so I, I spend hours and hours pouring into research and, and reading and memorizing and the instructions. But I just felt like I had a duty, I had a responsibility to get our industry uh, up a little bit up, up and up in knowledge, up in awareness. And, um, uh, that's really where my motivation comes from is I just, I can't have another conversation like that with another buyer crying and sobbing because they're getting ready to lose their property because they didn't know about FERPTA. It's just, it just not, doesn't gel with me that we don't know about FERPTA. Everybody needs to know about FERPTA. And, um, I, I remember one time going to, uh, I was in Chicago, actually, we had did a trade show for, um, one of the big realtor events. And, and, uh, this is another thing that really spurred me is, you know, we're, we're sitting here, we're meeting all these real estate agents and, and I get it, you know, I'm in South Florida. And so there's a, a ton of foreign investors. I get it. And there's probably not going to be that many foreign investors and, you know, some podunk town in, you know, some rural part of the state. I get that. Um, but I mean, we probably met five or 6,000 real estate agents and time after time, after time, after time, it was the same story. Well, what's FERPTA? Okay. Well, it's, it's that withholding tasks, you know, that pesky withholding task, yeah. not a foreign seller. And they all said the same thing. Well, I don't need to know about FERPTA because I only work with buyers. And it was like another oh, wow. moment, like, and I don't blame them. You know, right. it, it, we're just not conditioned to think FERPTA first on real estate transactions. So I, I'm not being critical, but it was just an eye opener that, okay, wow, we need to do something about this. This, this has to change. We can't keep having this, this, this thought process of, okay, well, let's just do business, do business and wait for that foreign seller to somehow notify us that he is foreign our buyers need to ask, they need to dive in, they need to confirm, they need to know for sure. Uh, because at the end of the day, they're going to be the response. They're going to be the responsible ones left holding the bag if, if something goes wrong. So um, that is my motivation. I love it. I love it. And, and, and I think it speaks to that point exactly of, a lot of times people are just well-intentioned and if you just don't have all the pieces of the puzzle or you don't have all the information, mistakes yeah. still happen. And at the end of the day, the IRS is not going to care that you had the best of intentions. They're going to want to collect the money. And at yeah. the end of the day, the responsibility is still on the buyer. And I think if people leave with nothing else today, other than the hashtag FERP to first, <laughs> is that the buyers 
are the ones that are going to be left holding the bag. Yes. That even though the tax is technically assessed to the foreign seller, the buyer is the one responsible for making sure that gets collected. And Absolutely. I think that that's the biggest disconnect. Um, so I know that you spend a great deal of time providing educational classes uh, around the country, not just in Florida. Mm -hmm. But if someone doesn't have the opportunity to attend a class like that, are there any resources available that that they can get more information or get more educated on? I mean, is there something on your website or is there something that they can do to, you know, it, they leave here today. They say, I need to learn more about this. Where where can they start that process? So um, I think that the IRS website, um, irs.gov, does a pretty pretty decent job. Okay. If you just search for FERPTA in their search box, mm -hmm. you're going to find a lot of information about it. So uh, what I've learned about people is that everybody learns differently. Mm -hmm. Some people, uh, I have to read it. So, uh, you know, you can give me the information and I'm going right. to absorb it, but then I'm going to go fact check it, fact check it. Uh, on my own by reading and research. And mm -hmm. so if, if, if you're that kind of person and that's where you want to start, you can definitely go there. We also have a ton of information on our website. Okay. Um, we do have some uh, webinars um, planned for the uh, last quarter of the year um, that are okay. going to be, you know, free and open, you know, to, to the members of our community. Okay. Um, that I can share with you later. Awesome. Uh, the other thing is, is uh, pick up the phone, call me, <laughs> send me an email, you know, let me, let me know the deal that you're working on. Um, I, we, we usually don't charge like consultation fees unless it's, you know, weeks into the Super situation, we're still kind of dealing with it. But you know, it's, if you send me an email or pick up the phone or call me or text me or send me a WhatsApp message and just say, Hey, you know, I've got a buyer, and we're just putting an offer and we, we think that the seller's foreign, like, what's, what do we do next? I can help organize those thoughts. And I get it. I'm only one person. So, uh, you know, sometimes it takes me a hot second to, to respond. But um, my heart says, share what you know. And so that's what I'm going to do. So it, you can go to the IRS website. You can go to our website. You can join one of our webinars. You can send me an email. You can pick up the phone. Um there's a, a lot of different things that people can do if they really want to learn more about it. Awesome. Awesome. Um, has COVID impacted the FERPTA process? Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you have another hour. Like, yes, COVID-19 has severely impacted what we do here at the office. And, and, and I don't mean to make light of the situation. Obviously, it's a horrible, horrible pandemic, and, and I wish it would just go away as quickly as it came on. But um, what's happening is, um, uh, well, the, the big thing is the IRS. So um, in, in an abundance of caution, um, our government allowed the uh, agents to you know, uh, work from home, they're answering phones from home. But the, the problem for us in, in the FERPTA department, in the FERPTA world, is that the applications that we're sending in, the withholding certificate applications, the, the remit forms when we're sending in the money, uh, applications for I-10 numbers, they're all paper. They're paper files. Oh. And so when, when we send those paper files in the mail and they're received in the mailroom, 
there's nobody there to open them to oh, work. Wow. Um, they, uh, they, they can't take those paper documents out of that brick and mortar building because right. it's a security concern. You know, if, if I'm an, if I'm a, if an IRS agent and I come and I pick up, you know, a hundred files and I take them home and then someone breaks in my house. Now I've exposed all this taxpayer information to who knows who. So it's, it's a huge security issue. And, um, they, they went, they were sent to work from home, I want to say like in the middle of March. Okay. And up until maybe the last couple of weeks, we had not received not even one <gasps> piece of mail from them. Only, only in the last couple of weeks have we started to see the wheels churning again. Um, and um, so you can just imagine the backlog that they have to deal with because to be honest with you when 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 they when they went home in march they were still processing applications that we had in process with them from late 2019 oh my so, goodness i mean not a ton but they were still working on you know some complex right. cases for us so so we're still to this day waiting on some certificates to come in the mail that we had mailed in 2019 so, so we're still working on 2019. We're still working on the early part of, of, of the applications that came in the first part of the year. I mean, I like, I doubt that they've even gotten to a point where they've even opened the mail that has come in for April and May and June and July. So up like it, when someone applies for a withholding certificate, if you look at the published processing times, the IRS says that they usually respond within 90 days. So we are way 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 beyond the 90 days and the the later in the year that we get the less attractive that that withholding certificate option becomes because by the time they get around to a, applying this reduced amount it's you know we could have filed the tax return and already got our refund going right. so it it changes the options I mean, the options are still the same, but it, it changes the way that we apply our reason to those options to see which one's going to make the most sense. So definitely processing times are severely delayed. The other thing that's a problem for us is at our office, um, we are uh, we have about four or five different certified acceptance agents. And so what that means is we've been authorized by the IRS to review identification documents and confirm that they are authentic. So when we help somebody apply for a, a US tax ID number, the ITIN, we have to verify their identity. We have to um, meet them in person or we have to meet them using like Skype or Zoom or something. We have to confirm that the person in the picture is the same person and the identification documents that they sent us. And, and because we can't just use you know, electronic copies of documents, we have to have the original document or we have to have an official certified copy of that document. So with COVID-19, a lot of the, the consulate offices worldwide, the embassy offices worldwide are all closed um, or the government offices within those countries are, are still closed. So we're not able to get those authentic documents that we need to help these people apply for these numbers that they have to have in order to go through the FERPTA process if they want a refund. So um, yes, COVID-19 has severely impacted what we do here at FERPTA Solutions. But on the same token, we are seeing some light at the end of the tunnel and we're very hopeful. Uh, we know that the IRS is doing everything that they possibly can to move these applications along. Uh, they're very communicative. Um, 
you know, in, in regards to what they need to, to move the applications along. So we're very appreciative of that. And uh, we're all looking forward to a day where COVID-19 is just a, a blip in our memory. Amen to that. Oh my goodness. Um, okay. So before we close this out, I, I guess one question that I have is what is, what is one thing that every real estate industry professional can do to help bring more awareness to the importance and impact of FERPTA? Like for example, you know, we, we provide the, the QI services for the 1031 exchanges. FERPTA is not our expertise. Mm -hmm. What's something that someone like myself can, can do to help bring more awareness or, real, you know, any real estate professional? What, what's something we can start doing today? FERPTA first. I, I, I mean, honestly, if you just think about it, it's just a mindset. We have to change our mindset. So, you know, now anyone listening now knows that there's this thing called FERPTA. <laughs> don't forget about that. Right. You know, like let it be um, uh, one of the first thoughts that you have when you're working with buyers, when you're working with sellers, if you're, you're doing a closing, if you, I mean, literally it, it's, it, it's going to require a change in our minds, our mm -hmm. mindset in order to understand that literally every transaction has the potential to be a FERP to transaction if that seller is foreign. How are we going about determining if our seller is foreign? It has to be our number one priority. Otherwise, we're going to keep missing the boat when it comes to these FERPTA transactions. And, you know, that's the, one of the problems that I see is that, you know, and you touched on it earlier, is the worst time to find out that a transaction is subject to FERPTA is the day of the closing. <laughs> Yeah. And yes. <laughs> you know, and, and, and it just, you know, you, you, the, the buyers and the sellers, they just feel so pressured at that point to, um, well, how bad do I want this house? Or, you know, right. how, how bad do I want to push this? And, um, you know, you've got sellers that think that they're able to apply for a withholding certificate. Um, and then they get down to the brass tacks of it. And the buyer is like, wait a second, I'm I'm not okay with this. Like, right. I, I don't I don't want that money to sit in an escrow account. I don't want to be bothered 30, 60, 90, 100, 500 days from now. I just want the money to go to the IRS and I want to be done with it. Right. Well, if you're a seller and you were really banking on being able to apply for a reduced withholding, mm -hmm. and you've gone through the process of working with the tax professional to apply for this reduced withholding. It's really devastating to them to get to the closing table and find out that they can't do that um, because there nobody was nobody talked about it. Nobody right. nobody had the, the the mindset, the forethought to say, "Hey, what are our options? How can we make this happen? What is everybody comfortable with? What can we agree to?" And then you know sometimes if you can't come to terms on it, you know maybe that's not the buyer for you. Maybe that's not the seller for you. And those kinds of things happen all the time and they're not even FERP related. I mean, you can argue over right. a couch and lose a contract. Well, I want the couch. Well, you can't have right. it. Well, then you can't have <laughs> right. selling my house to you, you know, but you have those kinds of conversations in the beginning. Why aren't we talking about FERP in the beginning? You know, and um, that's what I think that everyone can do differently is just understand that until a until a seller declares in writing that he's not a foreign person, we have to assume that he is because 
how else can we know? You know, and thankfully the IRS gives the buyers a really easy way of finding this out without having to hire a personal, you know, private investigator. You know, we don't right. stock the bot, stock the, the seller's house and, you know, see <laughs> if he's got kids and they go to school here and where he goes to church. Like we, they don't make the, they don't make the buyer do all that. There's this document um, that a seller can, can provide. Um, mm -hmm. We we call it a an affidavit of non foreign status. I mean, there's there's a couple different names for it, but right. Um, if you think about it, a seller is either foreign or, or they're not. Teresa, you're either foreign or you're not. I'm right. either foreign or I'm not. And if I'm not foreign, I have to be able to make a a written statement that says I'm not foreign. This is my name. This is my tax ID number. This is my home address. And I'm making this statement under penalty of perjury. And then I'm supposed to give that to the buyer. And the buyer is supposed to hold on to that document in their records for five years. And the buyer oh, is supposed right. to rely on that document and whole unless they have, you know, other, um, you know, evidence that the seller was lying. But the IRS says, hey, hey, buyer, if you get this document, <laughs> You can rely on it in whole unless you have actual knowledge that the seller is lying. And then if the okay. if, if the seller is lying, it's it's not it's not your problem anymore. It's it's the seller's problem. So if if I'm a buyer, and that's my golden ticket, yeah, I want my golden ticket. Absolutely. <laughs> time. And there's a lot more to that process. You know, sometimes the sellers don't want to give that statement directly to the buyer because it's got their private data, and so the IRS has an alternative delivery method. You okay. know, that I'm not going to really cover today. But at the end of the day, you're foreign until you prove that you're not, and you prove that you're not by delivery of this written statement. So, um, I think if we're just all thinking about FERPTA in the beginning of a transaction, mm -hmm. I think that it just that just the very nature of it, it's going to give us more time to deal with it. It's going to give us more time to process it. It's going to give us more time to talk about the options. It's going to give us more time to make sure it's handled properly. And um, in my humble opinion, we're that's really the only way that we're going to see any real change um, when you're talking about FERPTA problems. Right. There's a, a lot of transactions that go through with no issues, mm -hmm. but the ones that are bad are really bad. <laughs> really bad. Um, and, and that's, that's the piece that, you know, that we're trying to correct. And we need to get, we, we need to get comfortable having those sometimes uncomfortable conversations and not right. be afraid to bring up a subject that is not our expertise, but we're all ultimately in this together and we all are trying to, to do right by our clients or whoever's involved in the transaction. And so I think, probably the worst thing that someone can do is not ask, mm -hmm. not ask the question. If you ask, it doesn't mean you own it and that you have to walk the client through every step beyond that. But simply right. bringing it up and starting the conversation is, it sounds like that's, that's the best first thing. And then get people that know what they're doing involved to help get it to the finish line. Absolutely. You know, as a real estate professional, you're trained to have a bag of tools. Right. You know, you, you've got this this tool belt that you wear around yourselves at all time and you've got your go to handyman, you've got your go to title company, you've got your yep. go to 1031 exchange and you've got your go to this like you need a go to <laughs> first person, yes. you know, especially if you're going to be marketing yourself in the international real estate you know, division. So 
um, you know, it's just all about finding the right people. And uh, it, I mean, here's the thing though, too, is like, you know, we do this in and out and this is probably really bad and I probably shouldn't say this, but we're human too. I mean, we've, right. we've made a mistake or two along the way. I mean, thankfully, you know, it was a clerical issue or, you know, some sort of right. type or whatever. We, we were able to have the, 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 the expertise and the knowledge to know how to go about fixing it. So mm-hmm. no one is, no one is exempt from making a mistake. It's just, do you have the knowledge, the fortitude, the, you know, the expertise to know how to undo something that went wrong. So, you know, sometimes even in the best scenarios and, and, and the IRS is human too. So right. even if we do everything right and the seller does everything right and the buyer does everything right and the forms are perfect and everything's, someone can still make a mistake because we're all still very, very human. You know, yeah. digits get transposed, dates get transposed, names get, you know, spelled wrong. And, um, and, and we, we can't, we do our best to make sure that doesn't happen, but it's bound to happen. The question is, do you know how to fix it when it goes wrong? And, um, and so that's why it's so important to work with, you know, people that have a, a, what's the word? An expertise or a focus in this? Just a history of being successful in those kinds of matters. Mm -hmm. Well, Julie, I can't thank you enough for doing this. And um, I don't know if I was very helpful, but thank you. <laughs> no, you were, you were. And, and I think that um, I think this was incredibly informative for people. And, and I think you've, you've effectively started the movement, at least here with FERP to first. And I think that we need to continue that momentum because it is incredibly important. No one wants to see a buyer. Um, be be penalized for something that they had no knowledge of. I, right. I guess that's what's heartbreaking is that nobody goes into it thinking I'm going to cheat the IRS. I'm not going to do this. Just they just don't know. Right. So it's it's just complete lack of knowledge. Right. You know, I I don't think anyone's doing anything uh with ill intent. Right. Um, you know, but it's it's and it's it's protecting the buyers is definitely um a huge concern for us, but then also making sure that the seller is in a position to claim a refund. You know, you only have three years to file a tax return and claim a refund. And there's been a couple times where people come to us, you know, five, six years down the road and say, Hey, I, I sold the property like six years ago. You know, what, what can I do to get my money back? And it's like nothing, nothing. No. Nope. Oh. So it's very, very, very sad to see that, that side of it. And, uh, we're just, we're just thankful to be a, a resource to, you know, our community and, you know, we're just going to keep plugging away and doing what we do. And there you have it. And we're grateful for that. So thank you so much. You're so welcome. Um, we will certainly hopefully do another one of these sessions um, and cover some other subjects that maybe we didn't get to cover today. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But, if you get any feedback, Teresa, um, from today and people have some specific questions, maybe we can do like a, a like a like a segment on those questions and kind of dive sure. a little bit deeper into those questions. That would be cool. That would be awesome. We can definitely do that. There you have definitely. it. Well, thanks, Julie. You're welcome. All right. See you soon. Thank you. See you.